Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Paul Calvisi joins me. We both wonder out loud which Cardinals team shows up on Sunday, the one that looked listless in week one and through the first two quarters last week, or the one that battled back from a 20-point halftime deficit against the Raiders. Here's hoping it's the latter. Time to break down the season's first NFC West game. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 594, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed him. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. So let's start with this, Paul. I know you are aware the Rams won the NFC West last season. But are you aware of which team had the best division record last season? Well, when it comes to the Rams and division championships, I I sort of go blank by design. You know, it's okay to hate the Rams. You know, now that the Seahawks fell into last place last year, you know, most of my disdain is reserved for the 12s. The Niners, I just sort of feel sorry for the Niners and what they've done at the quarterback position and really screwed up the future of the franchise. And, you know, that kind of generic homogenized stadium, they ruined the home field advantage from candlesticks. So I kind of have sympathy for the 49ers. They just can't quite figure it out despite all the talent. But the Rams, now that's pure hatred. So, no, I don't think I'm – it's a long-winded response. I don't think I am familiar. I did not realize we were going to go a deep dive, almost (laughs) uh, philosophical on the NFC West. and uh, But – uh, by the way, okay, so the, the the Rams, they won the division, but they did not have the best record within the division. That belonged to the Arizona Cardinals, oh. who went 4-2, and two, Rams and Seahawks 3-3, three and three, and the 49ers, who do not play in San Francisco, by the way, went 2-4. and four. I say all that because, well, the Rams are in town here on Sunday. Week 3, 125 is the kickoff from State Farm Stadium. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins. And, of course, let's just get this right out of the way. The Rams have won nine of the last ten regular season meetings. I'm not counting the playoff loss. Cardinals, though, did split last season, winning on the road, losing at home. And, okay, yes, there's the home loss in a six-game losing streak, and they haven't beaten the Rams at home since 2014, and they were known as the St. Louis Rams. Okay, we got all that out of the way. The Rams are a scary team, regardless of how they have looked the first two weeks of this season. No question. They have playmakers. They have difference makers. They have game wreckers all over the place. There's no question about it. Here's the thing, though. Let's go back to that week four jack stomping by the Cardinals at the L.A. Rams. Because I was there, and it was a physical game. And the Cardinals were the more physical team. They had 40 carries for 216 rushing yards. Kyler was a problem. He was kept clean most of the game. How much of that had to do with the offensive line play versus the balanced offense? I think they go hand-in-hand. That would be my uh, expectation in this one. If you're going to come out and you're going to try and neutralize 99, which nobody really does, but look at the difference in Aaron Donald between their first meeting and the next two meetings, including that playoff game. Look at Aaron Donald in Week 14 a year ago, which ended up being a one-score game, but he had 14 quarterback pressures in week 14. That's like a whole season's worth of pressures for an interior D lineman in a single game. So this time around, I think if you're a Cardinals fan, uh, you feel better about the offensive line than you did the latter half of last season. 
right guard isn't nearly the liability it was when you were playing third stringers a year ago. Will Hernandez was signed in the offseason with that express purpose. The return of Justin Pugh last week really solidified that offensive line. You saw it. We talked to Cliff Kingsbury in his weekly TV show about it. Just not only the expertise and, and, and the acumen of Justin Pugh, a highly polished interior guard, but just the cerebral nature and how he syncs up so well with one of his really good friends, DJ Humphreys. You just feel, to me, a lot better about going into this game against the Rams than you did in Week 14 or the playoff game, just the state of the offensive line alone. And you get a sense in talking with Will or Justin this week that they are looking forward to this matchup against 99. These offensive linemen, I think they gear up for the matchups like this. They are... And and Kyler Murray mentioned that he's honored to be on the same field as an Aaron Donald. Now, maybe this is just a lot of speak to make sure that they don't upset Aaron Donald because we know that if he's upset, he becomes that Week 14 juggernaut as opposed to being absolutely shut out in Week 4 last season. But you're getting this Rams team early in the year to where maybe you can take the Rams and maybe... I wouldn't say steal one, but get that W and put the Rams in a one and two hole. But for me, when you talk about the Rams on defense, yes, it begins and ends with Aaron Donald, who over his last six games against the Cardinals, 12 sacks. Oh, my goodness. I, I didn't I was not aware of that. I did ask James Conner, uh, walking with him in the locker room a little bit, I said, give me a story about 99 that no one else knows, or at least in this locker room, because you were his college teammate, and they still work out together in the offseason. He said, well, there was a college game at Pitt against Duke. Uh, go Google, as I like to say, Google it up on YouTube. <laughs> the time where Aaron Donald was, uh, he actually busted through and tackled both the running back and the quarterback at the same time at the mesh point. If anyone remembers like the Jadavian Clowney play when he was at South Carolina against Michigan, where he absolutely tattooed the running back and the helmet All went in flying. one right. motion. Yeah, so Aaron Donald uh, pulled that one off. But look, you talk to some of the offensive linemen, and I worked I worked the locker room this week, and you just see – I started a lot of it with, okay, if he's the best defensive player ever in the history of the NFL, and two of them stopped me and said, no, he is. He's the best defensive player the NFL has ever seen. And, and they said he's got everything. You know, he's got the power. He's got the speed. Ridiculous balance. He uses your leverage against you. These are the scouting reports from Cardinals offensive linemen. If he gets into your chest, you're done. If he gets your back shoulder, you're done. And now that he's in year nine, it, it's his acumen. It's his football IQ. He knows line calls. He knows which way you're coming off the ball. He uses that to his advantage, and they move him up and down the line. He's not just a three technique. You'll see him on the nose. You'll see him on the edge. you see him on both sides of the line. He's a certified problem. It's just amazing to watch when you watch from afar when the Rams aren't playing the Cardinals because when you do watch him against the Cardinals, yeah, it, you get worried because he can, as we've heard repeatedly, he wrecks offenses there are 10 other players on that defense but one individual 99 wrecks an entire offense because he can wreck a play which can mean the difference between a first down on that drive or going three and out so yeah the offensive line with Justin Pugh now a game under his belt you would expect that to be better how about Rodney Hudson having a couple of games under his belt as rusty as he looked in week one now all of a sudden you've got your three 
interior offensive lineman, maybe now this is where this season begins as opposed to week one against the Chiefs. And if you see 99 on the edge, then you have Daryl Williams. We don't know about James Conner, but Daryl Williams, and man, was he stout. Some of those chip blocks against Max Crosby last week, very physical. So you like that. And you like to think, because here's what I saw in Kyla Murray. Behind that offensive line, I saw a comfortable and confident quarterback against the Raiders, obviously in the second half. You know, when Cliff Kingsbury said he loved the decisions that Kyler made, when to throw, when to run, when to pull it down, bolt for the sticks, or the two-point conversion run, the epic 21 seconds and 85 yards covered that ends up in, in the Hall of Fame. You know, it's just that doesn't happen unless Kyler is confident and comfortable. You know, he's able to keep his eyes downfield because he's not worried about his backside or he's not worried about right guard, which was a liability in the playoff game when you're playing a third stringer and it's an absolute sieve. So uh, if that continues in this one, it just, I want to see what the Cardinals offense looks like. And you want to see, obviously, if they can pick up where they left off. No momentum doesn't carry over from week to week, but maybe that rhythm they found on offense and got things clicking. Which, because, and Cliff Kingsbury said it more than once after the Chiefs loss, it looked like one team who was regular season ready and another team who was playing preseason game number one. So to your point, if they got that rust out from under them, not just Rodney Hudson, but everyone, and they've sort of gelled as an offense, okay, can they do it out of the gates? Because that's one thing the Cardinals have not been good at, fast starts in recent play. And if you get down against this Rams team and then they're able to unleash 99 with abandon and he doesn't have to worry about the run, look out. Cardinals have been outscored 43-7 to in the first halves of these first two games wow. of the regular season. Yeah. So it is the question this week, as much as you look at the Rams as the opponent, which Cardinals team shows up on Sunday at State Farm Stadium? The Week 1 Cardinals and the first half against the Raiders, or that second half team against the Raiders battling back from a 20-point halftime deficit and showing, to your point, yeah, this is what the offense can and should look like, and a defense that just needs to be, I wouldn't say average, but just a little bit above average because this is an offense that should be able to score points and the defense get a couple of stops. I've wondered for a long time why the Cardinals marketing department doesn't do more with Angry Birds, right? Do something with Angry Birds. There's something there, is there not? I mean, Calvisi Consulting can't do everything around here. I mean, figure it out because that's what I think we saw after halftime last week was Cliff Kingsbury and the coaches came out where are the players? We were doing the halftime show, and we cited it on the air. Um, yeah, that's conspicuous by its presence. No players. So not a lot of guys are saying a lot about what happened at halftime, but something happened. The leaders had something to say. I don't think it was necessarily uh, angry. You know, when we talk about angry birds. I think that's more the way they played than necessarily what was said. But your DJ Humphreys after the game, which I think was telling in that locker room clip that the Cardinals tweeted out, where he said, this is our identity. This is who we are. The first six quarters of those two games, that's not Arizona Cardinals football. And I think that was basically the message at halftime. Yeah, we're, we're playing hard enough. We think we're playing hard enough. We're definitely not playing clean enough. A game where we had a dozen penalties, and you were your worst nemesis as much as the Raiders were. But okay, if you're going to get a team that's challenged to uh, deal with the details and the little things, let's be honest, we haven't seen a whole bunch of since they started 10-2. and two. If You can get that attention to detail because everybody now, Craig, you know it. The little things are big things in an NFL where most games are decided by seven points or less. So, yes, it matters. A handful of plays. The difference between whether you walk off that field with your head held high 
or you walk off that field going, all right, we got some things to work on. And the Cardinals certainly do have things to work on, irregardless of how that game last week finished. It's the slow starts, it's the number of penalties, and just fine-tuning how about we don't call a timeout when the clock has already stopped after a penalty yeah. or after a timeout by the opponent? Just little things like that that are certainly frustrating and not not and they kind of get buried a little bit after a win. But there are some things not only between the lines but on the sidelines that need to be changed so far. No question. There, there's too much confusion and chaos at times. Uh, didn't the Cardinals have 12 men on offense at, at one, one point? point? Yeah, at one uh, point. 12 men on on defense it was a 12 men on defense okay so I mean there was just stuff that that they were lucky to get away with and Kyler knows it he said it to the media nine times out of ten you're not getting away with getting down 20 to nothing at the half with some of the mistakes the dozen penalties so but the good news is that's imminently correctable and that's within your power it should be corrected you know I, I talked to one member of the defense I said um so Talk about timing. If that's everything in life, well, you guys got that defense looking sound finally in the second half of the against the Raiders just in time for Sean McVay. And his response was, yeah, if we look like week one in terms of communication, alignment, assignment, we won't beat Chandler High. That was his, that was his comment. So now you get Sean McVay to your <laughs> – you noting about the offense. What does Sean McVay do better than anyone, him and Kyle Shanahan? They will stress and test – and challenge whether your defense is sound. Do you have everything accounted for? We're going to send everyone in motion, and here's the jet sweep, and there's a little eye candy this way, and there's a guy going that way, and, oh, Matthew Stafford's got his head on a swivel, and he's looking at your defense. Are you leaving anyone unaccounted for? And or, oh, wait a minute, I've got a wide receiver and a linebacker now. Hmm, that's my first read. That's what Sean McVay does, as well as anyone in recent history of the NFL, is the matchup game. So I'm curious. What exactly are the personnel situations going to look like? Isaiah Simmons, for example. Tyler Higby has 20 targets in two games. And as Vance Joseph told the media two weeks ago, Isaiah Simmons was, quote, drafted to cover tight ends. Yet when Darren Waller had a touchdown catch in the first half in Vegas, who was covering him? Zeke Turner. So what does that mean? And, and, and will Sean McVay be able to exploit that? Because if Isaiah Simmons, like in week one, is in coverage against Travis Kelsey, but he's messing up the leverage. He's on the wrong side, which means the help over the top isn't there at the precise time. Then you know what? That matters. That's the difference between a chunk throw and stopping the play. Has Simmons received the message? 15 snaps in Week 2 as opposed to playing nearly the entire game in Week 1. Did he get the message that, look, you are not playing well enough on Sundays, but it goes back to what you're doing during the week, your practice habits, you're not practicing well enough, not hard enough, but well enough. Are you in the right spot? Are you doing the right things, green dot or no green dot, to where we trust you to do it on Sundays? And that this coaching staff, without saying as much, Paul, I think this coaching staff defensively has lost trust in Isaiah Simmons at least early on this season. Can he get that trust back to increase those 15 snaps to where he was in week one. Whiplash. That was the comment from Cliff Kingsbury when he was asked about Isaiah Simmons, and then there was a follow-up comment about, well, wait a minute, he was calling your defense in week one, and then in week two, he really was only in on third downs. Now, he played a little bit more late second half and in overtime. Yep. 
obviously. But the first three quarters of the game, he was basically in a third down package where it was third and obvious passing. And he went in as part of a nickel or dime package. So, And then Cliff Kingsbury cut off the questioner and said, you know, it's really a matter of him giving us whiplash. What can we count on? You see the spectacular plays, but are you seeing the consistent plays? And to your point, can Vance Joseph trust him? Because on either side of the ball, if the coaches can't trust you and your assignment and alignment, then guess what? They won't play you because that's all an NFL team needs to exploit your defense. So trust Isaiah Simmons. Do the Cardinals coaches trust Isaiah Simmons? And based off of last week, let's talk about the trust that perhaps Byron Murphy has earned covering number one wide receivers because that as much as we made a big deal on his final play the 59 yard scoop and score and certainly highlight of the year so far for the Cardinals might be the highlight of the season depending on what happens the rest of the way but what got buried a little bit was his defense on Devontae Adams and he traveled with Adams that's not my words Buda Baker brought it up in the locker room now the coaches I well we, we mix things up a little bit but when you look at the film and how many times Murphy was on Adams. Adams didn't do a whole heck of a lot. No, he he did not. And and you know what? It's interesting because you're right. The coaches say, well, we mixed some coverages, you know, but if you talk to the players in that locker room, they say that Byron Murphy traveled with Devontae Adams. Film so, don't lie. And and he was very effective. And they did try and move Devontae Adams around. He's a guy who will be inside and outside. You just can't put a value on if Byron Murphy becomes a number one cover corner. And Vance Joseph did tell the media this week that he has improved from last year. Now he got nicked up at some point last year because we saw the start to last season. We saw the pick six against Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. We saw a lot of spectacular plays. Uh, you know, you saw him in the slot as much as you did outside at times. But now because Cardinals are so thin in the secondary, especially in the cornerback position, that he has to play outside. But it's interesting because even his narrative is different when he talks to the media. He's telling the media, I want that assignment. I want the number one receiver. Now, you can look at that a couple of different ways. Number one, does he finally feel equipped and qualified to check a number one receiver like Pat P. did for so many years in his prime? And or is it because he's in a contract year and he wants to get paid like a true number one corner? who Vance Joseph can start every game week by saying, okay, we're taking our number one cover corner and we're signing it to their number one receiver. Check. That's a huge part of the game plan. Now I can dial up the other 10 guys. So we'll see. And I think we'll know right away because they're not going to tell the media. Everyone is asking, including your like, oh, geez, is uh, Byron Murphy going to go ahead and travel with Cooper Cup? Well, they're not going to tell you that. But as soon as Cooper Cup goes in motion, if number seven is flying across the line, and shadowing and traveling with Cooper Cup, that's our answer. So is that feasible and doable when nobody does a better job in the NFL of utilizing a talent, in my opinion, than what Sean McVay does with Cooper Cup? He's in the slot. He's on the outside. He's in the backfield. He's lined up as part of some sort of jumbo power package. He's everywhere, and he's always in motion, and they get the ball to him in the flat. They get him downfield. He's able to read coverages. He, he stops on a dime against zone, and he finds the open area. He's in sync with Matthew Stafford. We found out in the Super Bowl how they would show up at 6, 630 in the morning during the regular season and just do the extra work needed to formulate that sort of chemistry and then you saw it on a game-winning Super Bowl winning drive Craig remember that yep. when they were without OBJ they're out Tyler Higby it was basically Stafford and Cup against double and triple coverage and they still had four completions on the final drive and they won Lombardi 
That's how tough it is to stop those guys. Cup finds a way to get open. Single teamed, double teamed, triple teamed in the slot, outside, inside. There's that chemistry between quarterback and receiver, but it's the ability of Cooper Cup to get open no matter what is in front of him. What Murphy showed last week against arguably the best wide receiver in the game, and if Adams is 1A, then Cup is 1B. Do you trust what we saw to say, all right, Murph, do it again. You want the challenge. Let's see if you can hang with someone who has done amazingly last year, winning the Triple Crown as far as leading the league in catches, receptions, and receiving touchdowns, and certainly well on his way to doing it again this year with 24 catches for 236 yards and three touchdowns. Ken Byron Murphy, you're not going to limit Cup like you did Adams, I don't think, for a second straight week. But can you slow him down, make someone else beat you? That's what the Cardinals did so well last week against the Raiders. They didn't allow Adams to beat you. They didn't allow Renfro or Waller to beat them. It was someone else. So if you could take away the one, two, three targets, best pass catchers for that particular offense, I feel much better of the Cardinals' chances. Yeah, if Mac Hollins wants to lead the Raiders in receiving, like I think he did most of the game last week, uh, fine. You know what? <laughs> That's great. Cardinals will take that, and they'll take the W that goes along with it. And to your point, think about the Week 4 win last year at the L.A. Rams. Cooper Cup had five grabs. Non-factor. Uh, now, Matthew Stafford missed one. Yeah, key did. throw. I think it was late third quarter. That could have been a touchdown. He, Matt, it was his worst throw maybe all season, Matthew Stafford. But then in the rematch in week 14, we talk about Aaron Donald, and rightfully so, and he had the 14 quarterback pressures. Well, guess what? Uh, Cooper Cup went from a season-low five grabs to then in the rematch with the Cardinals had a season-high 13 grabs. So he was a big difference in that Rams win as well. Now, do I expect Devontae Adams to travel with him the entirety of the game? Mm, he's definitely going to get help. I, I think he has to get help. There's got to be some bracket coverage, some safeties over the top. It, it's not going to be quite that easy. And honestly, minus OBJ and the fact that Allen Robinson hasn't gotten a lot of traction yet in this Rams offense, I think if you're Vance Joseph, you can get away with the extra attention paid to a, a Cooper Cup as long as you – feel confident against Tyler Higby, who has killed the Cardinals at times in the past and, again, has 20 targets in two games. Yeah, Higby targeted nine times last week when the Rams beat the Falcons or held off the Falcons, I should say, 31-27. But you've brought up now Matthew Stafford and the other intriguing matchup here and the decision that Vance Joseph has in, in before him outside of, all right, does Byron Murphy travel with Cooper Cup? Does Vance blitz Matthew Stafford because the numbers are unbelievable again next gen stats I know I know no math and all that Paul and no no lay it on me I want to hear this this is not pro football focus but this is next gen stats in depth that we received earlier this week with respects to Matthew Stafford and when you blitz him the Cardinals have blitzed this season alone on just over 48 percent of dropbacks in the league most in the National I'll Football say That's got to be number one. That's what Vance Joseph likes to do. He likes to bring five and six on a consistent basis. You do that against Matthew Stafford, and Stafford is going to burn you. And he's done so time in and time again. He is much better against the Blitz than if you just rush four. Interesting. Well, you know, live and die by the Blitz. Cardinals died by it in week one. The blitz rate was 54% against Patrick Mahomes. That was the next-gen stat there. That was the highest blitz rate he'd ever faced in his career. 
And you saw what the Chiefs did. They scored touchdowns in their first three drives. So now to your point about Matthew Stafford, if you can get away with rushing four and dropping seven, then absolutely. And I'll tell you what, based on J.J. Watt and his play, and Brian Baldinger has an interesting video out uh, that is worth checking out, uh, you know, from what the second snap of the game was obviously the first possession. Uh, there's JJ Watt was a sack. Zach Allen was so close. If you wanted a guy who was both a lady with a win, but a little frustrated about had nearly having an epic game, it was 94. It was Zach Allen. He got so close to getting home several times on Derek Carr and didn't quite get the sack. Marcus Golden got close a couple of times. And if you remember Marcus Golden's history, he sort of ramps things up. It takes him a game or two, and he gets closer and closer, and then boom, all of a sudden, let's go hunting. He'll get two or three in one game. I, I kind of feel that a little bit from this Cardinals defensive front, and some of that has to do with this patchwork Rams offensive line. No Andrew Whitworth. That dude I thought was so underrated. Jared Goff, the first year under Sean McVay, was a crash test dummy. And and the key thing they did was sign Andrew Whitworth, and he solidified everything. But it's not just that. They're missing their starting center, Brian Allen. The starting right guard went down with a broken ankle, I believe. He's done for the season. So this should be an offensive line you can take advantage of, uh, akin to what the Raiders' offensive line came in last week, missing their starting center, rotating guys a right guard and right tackle. It should be advantage Cardinals. It really should, Even minus Chandler Jones this year, we get it. But uh, if that's the case, then you should be able to rush for, get some pressure on Matthew Stafford, who doesn't have nearly the same mobility and escapability as a Patrick Mahomes, although they'll put him on the move. They do a great job of moving the pocket and sprint outs and so forth, which honestly, I'd love to see the Cardinals do more. You know, Thanks for asking, Calvisi Consulting. I'd love to see more of the sprint outs and some of the stuff that McVay does with Stafford done with Kyler Murray but um but once again if you can disguise your defense enough and that's always the cat and mouse game against Sean McVay that it isn't so brutally obvious to Matthew Stafford and then get a rush with four yeah I like the Cardinals chances in this game no starting center your starting guard is now playing center in Coleman Shelton their swing tackle is now expected to be playing right guard this week talking wow. about the Rams offensive line so mm. yeah if you can go with just four whether that's J.J. Watt Zach Allen Marcus Golden and someone else but how about J.J. Watt now week two playing more snaps he was only on the field for 42 63 percent if he plays more snaps if Zach Allen plays more than the 56 snaps that he did, Marcus Golden played much better and more than he did last week than he did in the opener. He is closer to 100% after the toe issue. Now all of a sudden you've got three solid rushers. Add one more, get pressure with four, and for what it doesn't make a lot of sense until you realize what Kurt Warner always did. Blitz yeah, me because right. you know what? I see it, and before the ball is snapped, I know exactly where the ball is going. And for the Rams, Paul, when Matthew Stafford sees that blitz, the target, more times than not, is Cooper Cup. And that's where Cup does most of his damage as far as the passer rating. Stafford's passer rating when targeting Cooper Cup on the blitz, 157.7. Wow. Wow. That, That is staggering. I thought Rashard Lawrence played a good game. His name got called quite a bit last week. His get-off was phenomenal, and that's what he's known for, and I thought he got good penetration. And with Matt Burke, the defensive line coach for the Cardinals now, he it's none of this two-gap stuff, hold your guy up and play both sides. No, he just get off the ball and get upfield. And so Rashard Lawrence, that's his specialty. I thought he played pretty well. But in talking 
to a number of guys on defense this week just about McVay. It's not just the motions and the jet sweeps and all the eye candy and trying to, to see what you're in, but it's creating those mismatches. And you've seen it at times, and it's been advantage McVay where, for example, he in the past was really good at getting Jordan Hicks into the slot. Now Jordan Hicks, an inside linebacker, was against their number three receiver in the slot. Advantage Rams. That's what they're trying to do. That's what we mean when I say they'll stress and test your defense, your alignment, and your assignment. And the guy we haven't mentioned yet, Zayvon Collins. So I'm guessing that McVay is going to target Zayvon Collins in some way, some fashion. See how sound he is in his reads. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think we've all been impressed as to the progress he's made so far. Now, is where he, he needs to be or should be is the number 16 pick overall. We can debate that all day. The fact is he's a lot better, and things have slowed down a lot for Zayman Collins, and he's been putting in a lot of work. Jalen Thompson told us recently on the Big Red Rage, and I confirmed it's still going this week, that yeah, they meet two, three times a week at 6, 6.30 in the morning, Zayvon Collins with the likes of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, and they're making sure everything is sound. You know, Zayvon, they've really tried to simplify things for him, and that's the advantage he has over an Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons plays so many different spots. Well, they're just tasking Zayvon Collins with no Mike linebacker. And did he not play every snap? Did he, he was, first time in his career. Yeah, so there you go. And he's wearing the green dot which we confirmed early in that game. So that's a big deal. But I had a chance to talk with him a little bit this week, and he's saying before every play, he just takes a deep breath, takes a step back, tries to keep it simple, play fast, make his reads, be instinctual. And if he's not quite 100% on that play, got to move on. You, you, you can't dwell on it because, A, you're calling the defense, and, B, they're going to keep coming at you. So, you know, you, you can worry about it after the game and film work. During the game, you got to be in the moment. It's good to see Zavin make that progress here in year two, and I think early in year two because there were a lot of concerns after last season, into the offseason as far as, all right, what did the Cardinals draft? Did they, did they draft the right player, first of all, and then are they putting him in positions to be successful? Whether he has the green dot or not, to me, doesn't really matter. Is he getting on the football field? Is he playing enough snaps? And he is. You add the green dot, and all of a sudden, that's more responsibility, and he's handled it so far. Question is, again, when you talk about that green dot, and I don't know if it matters too much who's wearing it, but you have to be what it does signify, though. If you are wearing that green dot, you're on the field, if not 100% of the time, at least 95% of the time. You are a key figure in that defense. And as we've talked about, it has to be someone in that middle level. It can't be a defensive lineman. Yes, I know Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson would be more than capable, but they are too far away, yep. not from the action, but just too far away from being able to tell everyone else those guys up front near the line of scrimmage, what to do, what adjustments to make. It's just easier when you can look forward and look back as opposed to shouting all the way from the secondary. And you know what? If he gets all that down and, and he's made great progress, then look at the stuff you can't teach. You know, Look at the 6'4", 260 nearly. Look at his ability to go sideline to sideline. Look at his ability to cover the tight end and the running back downfield he's been excellent at that and so he still has to work on the hands and shedding blocks and not letting guys get into his body Uh, but he's been improving from all accounts um, you know on and off the record talking to guys they're like yes he is making significant progress so so that's good and you know what honestly if you can stay in the playoff hunt and let him progress this season is all about the end of the season 
all I have to do is look at Hard Knocks. And the Hard Knocks cameras coming in. You know, now, they're already here. But when, when the show starts premiering in November, everything the Cardinals are about right now, and it is truly week to week, and everything goes into every game plan, this team knows it's about November, December, and January. And hopefully that results in February. So with that in mind, some of these guys are getting a lot of snaps knowing there's going to be growing pains. And they're willing to live with that for what they hope is return on investment in the latter half of the season. What do we say? It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Cardinals have started well the past couple of seasons, have not finished well. Now, it hasn't been a great start this season, and it's difficult to watch a lot of the times, but hopefully what we saw in the second half last week is more indicative of what this team is going to be or currently is right now, that that second half was really the start of 2022. And think about this, Antonio Hamilton – He's going to be back at some point when we don't know exactly. But if he regains that form you saw in August where he legitimately earned cornerback too, that's going to be a big help. Big help. Trayvon Mullen, he's just big, period. I mean, he is a six foot two corner. We see him in the locker room. You're like, wow, this guy plays corner. That's how you know it's the NFL when a guy that size. So if he has the athleticism, they say, and he gets sound in his playbook, that's going to be a huge addition. Trey McBride, who got one snap. Correct. One snap against the Raiders, and he's going to be active again this week. Uh, What Max Williams had to say on the Big Red Rage is worth listening to everyone. I mean, we asked him about Trey McBride. I was thinking he'd just get a perfunctory, typical answer, media speak, and he gave a glowing report on the rookie tight end and how he thinks he's going to be special, quote, end quote, that he really is a dual tight end, that he, he is physical with the blocking. He And we've seen his soft hands. He does not fight the football at all. He's athletic. So if you're thinking, okay, that guy is going to come somewhere, you know, he's on the, we never know. Like a, a DRC, his rookie year wasn't a factor until Thanksgiving, I, and he was phenomenally talented. You know, the, every rookie has their own learning curve. So, and you saw Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons the rookie years weren't much factors at all. But if Trey McBride ends up being what they think he can be, and it doesn't happen until November, December, that's fine. But there are reinforcements coming. And and I and that that makes you bullish on where this is going as well. And I'll add one more offensive player, and it's not DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore is expected yeah. back sooner rather yep. than later. He is not playing this week. Potential playing in week four, but most likely week five against the Eagles. You get him back and what we heard all offseason, and it started with you talking with Coach Sean Jefferson on the Big Red Rage about Rondell Moore and the route tree and everything, but we haven't seen that because he hasn't been available. What we have seen is Greg Dortch take those snaps and really take off to all of a sudden you're comfortable. You're more than comfortable if you have to play 83 more on the football field because of that chemistry with Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's just not opposing defenses getting dorched. It's Rondell Moore right now who's getting dorched, i.e. Wally Pipped. If he doesn't figure it out, you know, if he's not able to get back soon, I mean, Greg Dortch is carving out a pretty dang good role that's going beyond just sort of a situational player. They're able to count on him down in and down out and downfield. Although I will say, if there's one area of this offense, and everything can improve, but if there's one area that I'm a little concerned about right now, still concerned about, it's the downfield passing game. 20-plus, I don't even think, well, they've attempted, but I don't know if they've completed a 20-plus yard deep shot. They've taken a couple, but I don't know if they've they've really completed a deep shot as opposed to just, all right, here's a seven-yard throw, and all of a sudden that becomes a 25-plus yard gain. Now, A.J. Green... 
had a few opportunities, and there were a few drops. So that's been there, and we'll see if they can actually execute that starting this week. And then there's that guy who's coming back effective week seven. What's that all pro's name? DeAndre Hopkins. Something starts with an H, yes. So, okay. I mean, how can I go through reinforcements that are coming and then forget about DeAndre Hopkins? But uh, the downfield passing game obviously will improve to a great degree upon his return. But what's it going to look like? You know, I mean, if, if A.J. Green can get some traction, you know, if Rondell Moore can be a downfield threat, if Hollywood Brown continues to evolve, and remember what Hollywood Brown said about that that pass, oh, man, that he had, and then boom, he got the big hit from the safety. In his words, I torched that guy. I, I really schooled that guy in the route. Oh, he had three yards, complete circle yeah. around him. Yeah, he three. destroyed him. So if Hollywood Brown can continue to run routes like that combined with his elite speed and then his chemistry with Kyla Murray which continues to grow and his knowledge of the offense then okay you know I, I once again this is where you start to see where possibly potentially it could be going and you hope that it goes this week against the Los Angeles Rams you get that first win within the division improved to two and one and you put a little dent in that Lombardi trophy, if you will. The Rams are starting to feel themselves here in 2022. Again, 125 is the kickoff. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. You know, the Stanley Cup has tons of dents (laughs) and dings in it from over the years. Why not the Lombardi? I'm with you. You know, go ahead and just just drop that thing right there by mistake, you know, on the concrete floor and put a big old ding in the Lombardi. Sounds good to me. All right. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2. Ciao.